You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, it's great to be with you guys, whether you're here in the cameo or online. Yeah, good to see you guys too. We're going to have a good Sunday together, and as Aaron mentioned, we're wrapping up the book of Ephesians today, and one of the ways that Paul wraps up this great book of the Bible is he asks the people to pray for him, and so I want to ask you to pray for me now as uh, uh, if you're comfortable to reach out towards me uh, to pray for me, that, uh, and Paul says, pray that I would proclaim the gospel boldly as I should. And so all voice of prayer on our behalf. Father, I thank you for our good people here. And I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight and helpful and useful and encouraging to your people for your good purposes. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. So as we talk about the subject that's in Ephesians chapter six today is, which is spiritual warfare. I understand that some of you who are perhaps new to church are thinking to yourselves, okay, spiritual warfare, what's that going to be about? I mean, uh, are these this, these the kind of people at the City Tribe Church that believe in curinderos and, you know, the chupacabra and, you know, the donkey lady on the south side? By the way, you know, I love you south side people, right? South side? Where are my south siders at? Right on? Yeah, that's right. Southside doesn't mess around. Um, and then I understand some people come to church and they, they over-spiritualize everything. You know, they think that, uh, you know, they see Jesus in a tortilla or, you know, they, they, it's like uh, believe that the Cowboys are bad this year because of the football demon. I mean, that one may be true. I don't know. But uh, what I want you to understand is that there are credible people out there that believe in the very real manifestations of evil in our world. And so I want to tell you a story of a couple of I met some years ago named Mike and Jen. They're very logical people, very intelligent people, well-educated people. They're both graduates from the Air Force Academy. And they came to me when they were struggling in their marriage. And one of the things that they came to me about was a weird occurrence that would happen. Jen was a little discombobulated because sometimes she would just be sitting there and something, some spiritual force would take control of her hand and cause her to write these very negative, hateful things against her Christ-following husband, Mike. And what I found out was is that Jen had grown up in an environment where she was exposed to New Age spirituality, and she had received what's called a spirit guide, and it was this spirit guide that was somehow causing her hand to write these hateful messages about her husband, who's a Christ follower, and it tended to always want to write evil messages towards people that follow Jesus, you know? So I prayed with Mike and Jen, and we cast the spirit guide out, and she didn't have this problem anymore, and their marriage got better at that time. And I write about their story and go deeper into spiritual warfare in my little book that I wrote a couple of years ago called I'm Not Defeated. And part of the reason I brought that book up today is because it's out on audio now. So if you're like me, a lot of books I don't sit down and read. I'll just listen to them on audio. I think it's on Audible as well as Apple if you want to get a hold of that. But one of the things that I had to write about in the book is about people who are credible people 
who acknowledged these very real demonic manifestations. I learned about Neil Ander Dr. Neil Anderson, who is both an engineer and a theologian. He wrote a little book called The Bondage Breaker that's really helpful for a lot of people. I learned about another scholar named Tim, Dr. Tim Warner. Um, I actually studied under Dr. Roy Fish, who mentored Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. And Dr. Fish was a brilliant uh, speaker and communicator and theologian and uh, scholar, and he, he talked to us about these real demonic types of manifestations. Now, look, what I understand about you guys is you come from all different spiritual backgrounds. You know, our church is very diverse in backgrounds of people that come here. And one of the interesting things to me about San Antonio is that we're at kind of a crossroads. And here's what I mean by that. We're where the highly spiritually charged environment of South and Central America collides with Western naturalism. Let me explain what I mean by that. A lot of people in the United States and Western Europe subscribe to a worldview called Western naturalism in which you only believe in what you can see and observe and, uh, you know, put under a microscope, right? And what I want to ask you to consider if you grew up in a Western naturalist environment is that your logic is good, but consider that the evil and oppression that you see in our world, it might have a force behind it. Also consider that it might be a little bit culturally narrow to suggest that logic thinking uh, is the only way to think. Could it be that our brothers and sisters from South and Central America have experienced some things that we have not? And some of you who grew up in very spiritually charged environments have been exposed to things like the Santeria. Have you ever heard of that? And what Santeria is, is basically voodoo using Christian language to it. And some of you have been exposed to the curanderos and curanderas, mystical healers who supposedly remove evil spirits, rubbing eggs on people's body and putting an egg under the bed and that type of uh, thing. And um, here's what I'm going to ask you to consider. Could it be that the Santeria and curanderos actually open you up to more spiritual traffic than it does cast out spiritual traffic? And your grandmother who ask you to put the egg under your bed, was doing it from a good heart. She loves you. Your grandmother's a good person. But she was just doing what she was taught to do. But it may be time to break some of those ways of thinking. So no matter your experience or background spiritually, when you live up to your identity in Christ, you become a spiritual warrior. And so that's the big idea I want to submit to you today. It's simply this. I'm a warrior. So would you say that with passion and conviction when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. I'm a warrior. You're spiritual warriors. And we get this from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. These are days in which we need more and more Christ followers who are willing to stand 
firm on the truth. Now, I need to acknowledge one thing about spiritual warfare as we begin, because I already told one story that was highly charged spirituality and a demonic manifestation, but most of what we do in terms of spiritual warfare is not like a demon manifesting through a person, you know, like Will Smith and an award show or something like that, right? But rather, um, most of the spiritual warfare that you and I are going to do is more practical in nature. It's more about our thinking, negative thinking in our heads, and it's more about our everyday relationships where our spiritual enemy will try and divide and destroy our lives. And so let me show you one idea about this is that we are warriors for our parents and our kids. These are practical relationships, aren't they? We're spiritual warriors for our parents and our kids. Go with me to Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So kids, whether you're an adult kid or a young kid, um, it's spiritual warfare to honor your parents, isn't it? And a lot of you have cruddy parents, and a lot of you have really great parents that you should honor, but no matter what your parents, there are appropriate ways in which we can honor them. And the reason is, is because the enemy works in rebellion against parents. There's a Bible verse that tells us that uh, rebellion is kind of like the sin of witchcraft. And so um, what we've got to learn to do is honor parents. So if you're here with your parents today or you're watching online with them, I want you to do something. I want you to turn to your parents now, look at them in the eyes, and, and before you say it, I'm going to tell you what you're going to say, and then I'll have you say it. But what, what I'm going to have you say is I'm going to have you tell them I honor you. But before you do, if you're, if you're, with, if you're a teenager and you're about to honor them, Make sure they're sitting down, okay? This could be discombobulating for your parents here. So uh, go ahead, and if they're here with you, look at them and say, I honor you. Ah, oh, that's music to my ears, isn't it? I honor you. And uh, a lot of us, our parents aren't here. My parents, yeah, you can clap for that. There are parents that just heard that, and they're like, there is a God of miracles right now. <laughs> but if you're like me, my parents can't be here today, but they watch online. And so, Mother, Pop, I just want to say in front of all these folks and online that I honor you, and I love you, and I thank God for you. And if your parents aren't here, why don't you text them or uh, call them later on today, because you know how some of your mom, you know, moms and dads don't like to text. You know, they're like, texting, what is that, okay? So, so anyways, you, you text them or you call them on the phone and you tell them that you honor them. But look at the next verse. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So most of us fathers and mothers, for that matter, we love the discipline part of that equation. But what it says there, don't provoke your children to anger. And you know how I've provoked my children to anger before? Is that when they're upset about something, I want them to get over it. So I joke around with them and it makes it worse. You know? Because I know the buttons to push in my kids. And when I'm saying before God that I'm not going to provoke them to anger... It's me saying, I'm not going to push their buttons. But can I tell you what else? How many of you know teenagers know our buttons to push too, don't they? They're so smart and they know what gets under our skin. But look, when you don't provoke your kids to anger, you know what you do? 
is you endure through those times when they're throwing verbal darts at you and they're trying to get underneath your skin and they say those things that hurt you and cut right to the heart. We have to live above that because no matter how tough your kids appear on the outside, they on the inside need encouragement from us as parents. They need us to love them through those times when they say things that later on they'll regret, right? So, or we hope they'll regret. But look at the next thing here is that we're warriors for our employers and our employees. This is real practical, isn't it? In our work relationships. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. It says, bond servants. And some of you are like, I feel like a bond servant at my job. It's like, obey your earthly masters with fear. So you go to work. Yes, master. Okay, but with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Now, can I take a time out and just address what the elephant in the room is regarding that passage is that some people would twist passages like this to say, oh, well, the Bible was pro-slavery. No, it was not. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is that Christ followers were the people who led movements to abolish slavery, not only in this country, but in other parts of the world. But what the Bible's doing here, it's basically just addressing the situation that people were already in. It's not saying slavery is okay. It's saying if that's your current situation, which is not ideal, here's how you get through it the best way. Furthermore, the type of slavery that was going on at that time when these words were written is not the same as the slavery that was so evil here in the United States. Now, all slavery is evil, but the slavery that was practiced at that time was more like being an indentured servant. So it wasn't race-based. It wasn't against a certain race of people, the slavery. It wasn't kidnapping people from their homeland, and it wasn't for life. But it was more like when people would um, have a debt that they needed to pay off, and they could go into this uh, bondservant lifestyle for a time to work for someone to pay off their debt. When the debt was paid, it was over. They also could have other people buy them out of that indentured servant relationship. It was actually more like a deal in the military where you serve a certain amount of time, and when you serve your term, it's up, right? Now, either way, Christ followers throughout the ages have come against slavery because slavery is evil in every way. And I think the best application for you and I today is the employer-employee relationship here. So the enemy works, remember, in rebellion. So when we're in rebellion or dishonoring to our supervisors at work, that's where the enemy will work in us. And even though your supervisor may have a tough exterior, that supervisor still needs to be honored and encouraged. You think about some of the decisions that she or he has to make and some of the pressures that he or she feels to hit their goals and, uh, you know, make payroll. I'm thankful that I've got a great staff here at church and they're very encouraging to me and they pray for me. But for most of my life, I've had bosses. And over the past couple of months, I've been in contact with three of my former bosses. We're still friends. And I thank 
them for their influence on me because I'm able to apply things now that I learned from previous bosses. And one of them actually came to faith in Christ, was baptized and attended here at our church, you know? And when you know someone who is uh, never has anything good to say about former supervisors, what does that tell you about that person? Well, just think about that. And as you do, go to the next verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Masters or bosses, supervisors, managers, do the same to them. And look at these next words. Stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. And so managers and bosses, it says, stop your threatening. The enemy works in threats and power plays. Now, look, I understand that you have to meet your goals. You have to get work done and uh, you have to, I don't know, make money so people can pay their bills and stuff. And I understand that sometimes there are employees that don't work out and you've got to free them up to go pursue their dreams and goals in life, right on? But at the same time, we don't manage people and lead people through threats, but through honor and care. And all of these relationships, whether it be kids with parents, employees with employers, or, uh, you know, employers with employees, Paul says, do it unto the Lord. Everything you do, all of your relationship, you're not serving those people for their sake or even always for yours, but it's unto the Lord. See, you work in an environment and unto the Lord, and it's the Lord who can get you promoted. See, so... The Lord gives us these different weapons listed in this text that help us at our work in our schools. Let me show these to you. The first one is the belt of truth. And I brought a picture of an ancient belt that a Roman soldier would have worn. And the belt of truth holds up your spiritual identity. It holds your pants up, if you will. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Having fastened on the belt of truth. And so what will happen is the enemy will try and twist the truth in your mind about your relationship with your boss or your family. So let's go to work for just a minute. Here's how it plays out. Have you ever had the boss call you into his office or her office and you start thinking about it, don't you? And you're thinking, oh no, if I go into the manager's office, I know what happens in there. And I bet you the representative from human resources is going to be in there. She's going to have a box with them and they're going to fire me and they're going to give me a box with my, put my belongings in it and I'm going to be out of here. And I've looked into that manager's eyes. That person is evil. And when I leave the building, what they're going to, they're going to kill me and they're going to throw my body into a dumpster and along with my belongings, that's what they're going to do. Or maybe you're the supervisor and you're in a meeting with some employees and you see someone get a text message and send a text message and your mind starts racing. You're thinking, I know what's happening right here. I'm the boss here and everybody here hates me and they're side texting and it's all about me and how bad I am and it's going to be a mutiny and they're going to be coming after me and they're, they're asking me to go to this mixer for drinks or whatever after work. But what they're really going to do is they're going to kidnap me and they're going to kill me and they're going to throw me into a... You see how your mind gets going? Well, I read this really great book by Henry Cloud, and it's called Boundaries for Leaders. And here's what he says, that when you have these negative thoughts, you log them, you write them down, and then you combat them with the truth. And I I lifted a quote from Henry Cloud's book, and he says, 99% of what's in your head is false. 
Anybody on that one? When you start having those thoughts that, you know, you're going to get fired or, that, you know, that everybody hates you or whatever, 99% of those uh, thoughts are probably false. And that's why we have the next part of the armor that helps us, and it's the breastplate of God's righteousness protects your spiritual identity. And that's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, where Paul says, put on the breastplate, or some translators will use the word body armor, of righteousness. And you say, well, what is that? Well, I believe that is what's called the imputed righteousness of Christ. Now, imputed is not a word that everybody uses in their common everyday life, is it? Okay, and so would you say it with me out loud so you can get used to saying it? Here we go, ready? Imputed. Now, here's what that means. Imputed is this. When you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, his righteousness is imputed onto you or into you. And what that means is now that you've believed when God looks at you, God doesn't look at your sin, but God sees the righteousness of Christ on you and in you. That's good news. Anybody? Anybody? That's good news, isn't it? That he doesn't see, you know, the jacked up stuff I've done, but he sees the imputed righteousness of Christ in me. But look at the next weapon we have, shoes of peace. The shoes of peace can help others change their identity. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, where he says, as shoes uh, for your feet, having put the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace is like shoes. How many of you know that when you're doing something, shoes are important? Like if you're going on a run, running shoes. If you're working, work boots. If you're preaching sermons, you got to have clean sneakers. I'm just telling you that right now, okay? Uh, shoes are important to every endeavor, and the gospel piece are the shoes that you and I can put on. And so when you bring a friend to church, you're putting on the gospel of peace. You're sharing the gospel with it. When you initiate a conversation with a friend or a loved one about Jesus, you're putting on the shoes of peace. And can I tell you, one of the ways that I grow stagnant in my spiritual life is when I've gone a long time without inviting anyone to church or without sharing Christ with someone. When church becomes more just about me and not about me pointing the arrow out to the community and to other people who need Jesus, um, I start to grow stagnant in my spiritual life. Have you ever gotten there before where you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions and you're not a bad person and you're not in some evil sin or something like that, but you just feel like your spiritual life has grown stagnant? Well, oftentimes the way out of that is to put on the right shoes and walk out to share Christ with someone else. And I was talking to Josiah, um, who's one of our team members. Josiah, would you kind of, kind of wave over there? There's Josiah back there. And he's a young 20-something dude, and he's working with us here on our staff. And he was telling us about how he initiated a conversation with his cousin about Jesus. And his, his cousin, and he were talking about this, and his cousin, turns out, has believed in Jesus. And you know what it did? It deepened their relationship. And it gave Josiah a sense of peace because his cousin is going to spend eternity with him. See, and they have that in common now that they both believe in Jesus. And so it helps us come to peace when we know that our friends and loved ones know Jesus and uh, will be with us in eternity with him in heaven. And it also brings peace to them 
when they come to know Jesus because he's the prince of peace. So we're having a baptism right here in the theater on October the 30th at the end of the month. And so what let's pray together is that a lot of our friends and loved ones would come to faith in Jesus. And some of you have believed in Jesus and have not yet been baptized. Well, we'll have signups for that in the coming days so that we can celebrate some baptisms together. But look at the next weapon that we have. It's the shield of faith and the salvation helmet. And what that does is it blocks the enemy's false thoughts about your identity. And this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, when it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts, or some translations would say arrows of the evil one. And it also says, take up the helmet of salvation. Now, when you look at the Roman soldiers on the screen, the picture that I brought, it's of a, uh, a particular formation that these soldiers would get in. You notice that they're uh, close together and they, they're combining their shields. And you can see that um, their shield being held up as they're close-knit together is not only protecting their own safety and their own heads, but it's protecting the other soldiers that are next to them and behind them. See? And what that represents is our Christian community, our small groups. We call, it, call them tribes here. We've got to be in community with someone going to battle with someone, spiritually speaking. And when we're close-knit together in our relationships, speaking encouragement and speaking the truth of Scripture into each other, we're actually protecting each other's identities. This is the way that we're designed to operate is in relationship, in uh, community here. And one of the things that we help each other with, and by the way, if you saw that formation, maybe some of you have seen it on movies like 300, and that it's, it's common to use that. You know, I think they show that formation as well on Lord of the Rings, and it just shows you um, how unstoppable we are when we're in community together. Now, one of the things that our community or our tribes help us to do is to overcome deceitful feelings. Have you ever felt negative about yourself? It starts as an enemy arrow that shot into your head, the thought, and then the thought gives life to an emotion where you feel negative about yourself. Let me illustrate it like this. Um, on my back porch, I have a, a fun character we call the, the porch lizard. And I brought a picture of the porch lizard. And what this is, it's a rubber lizard that I put out on my porch. I got it years ago. And when people come over our house and hang out, sometimes they'll be on the back porch and they're just kind of, it's fun for me because they're walking around the porch and then they kind of see porch lizard in their peripheral vision. And then they're like, Hey, <laughs> you know, they're like, Whoa, there's a lizard right here by me. And then they get scared for a minute and they're amped up emotionally. And then, then they like, oh, that's just a rubber lizard. Pastor Doug, you son of a chupacabra. Why do you do these things, right? And I'm laughing, you know, at people getting scared of the porch lizard. And it's fun for me, but for them, they get amped up, you know, and then they realize, they, they get amped up and they realize, oh, it's not really a threat. Well, that's like a lot of our thoughts, isn't it? And when we're in community with each other, we can speak truth into each other and we can realize that those thoughts, that those negative thoughts we have are most of the time not real threats. And what do we speak into people? Well, that's the next weapon we have. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit, 
tells the truth about your identity and about mine. The scriptures contain the very words of God, the words of Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, um, each week during this series, we've been asking the question, how do I know I can trust the Bible or trust the, the sword of the spirit, the words of God? Because aren't these things just mythical fairy tales that someone made up? Well, uh, we would say here, no, they're not mythical things. In fact, if you want a good book resource, go to uh, Excavating the Evidence for Jesus by Dr. T Titus Kennedy. He is um, into geology or, uh, into um, archaeology, and he's dug up all kinds of things and uh, shows us all these really great archaeological evidences for the historicity of the Bible. And if you just look at the birth of Jesus, all of most all of the characters and places that are in that story have been excavated. So, for example, that story talks about Caesar Augustus, who was the world leader at the time. And, of course, they found Caesar Augustus' statue. Then there's Herod, who was the ruler over that region. And you can see a picture of some coins that were found that were Herod coins. And Jesus was... Uh, grew up in a place called Nazareth, a little community. You can go to the ruins of Nazareth to that day, and they found ruins that indicate a civilization of Jewish people there in the Holy Land that you can visit to this day. You can also go to Bethlehem and see the manger, which, by the way, wasn't a wooden place, but it was a cave, and you can see that cave where they would herd sheep into it where Jesus was born. And so these are not mythical places, but they're real historical places and people in a very real historical story here. And if you look at it, the scriptures are so powerful because they speak of Jesus. And Jesus is powerful. I mean, if you go to Google right now and you type in Jesus, you'll get over 665 billion hits making Jesus number one in the world. I mean, he changed the world because he really was who he said he was. His influence over art, medicine, science, education changed the game for everyone. In fact, we live our lives according to a calendar based on his birth, don't we? Like BC, before Christ, and AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And so one of the things that we see, not only in the spiritual warfare in our minds, but when you encounter real demonic manifestations, the word of God has power. One time I was dealing with, and I don't deal with this very often, but years ago I was dealing with this young woman, you know, with some other friends, and she was literally like had weird voices talking. It was like an exorcism situation. And when I would read Bible verses at those things, they would cause the girl's hand to come up and smack the Bible out of my hand. What is it about reading a book that agitates an evil presence? That's why there are so many forces at work trying to denigrate the authority of the scriptures in our minds, because they know if we know it, read it, learn it, live it, memorize it, meditate on it, that they can overcome us. We don't have the uh, weapons that we need 
against them. That's why I'm so excited about our students at City Youth who are like memorizing scriptures every week. They're like coming, they're like quoting Bible verses in front of the rest of the group. And um, I'm having to like memorize verses just to keep up with our students. They're going to know more, the, you know, more about the Bible than what I know. Uh, but that's what we've got to do is train our minds with the scriptures to be able to overcome the power of evil. But it's not just the scriptures, but also here's another weapon that's often overlooked in the armor of God. And it's this, praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit energizes you to live up to your identity in Christ. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 6, 18, he says, praying at all times in the spirit. And I believe that praying in the spirit can take on a lot of different looks, right? But primarily it's just praying against the enemy when you're walking filled with the spirit. So can I tell you another weird story? Okay, I was down in Mexico and I was with a group of people and we encountered this witch in a town square. She was crazy. I mean, it's like she comes up to us. She gave me the eye, right? Like that. Freaked me out. Okay. And uh, the, oh, oh, anyways, we start talking and, and this friend that was with me is from Puerto Rico and the witch was able to tell my friend since she had committed back in Puerto Rico years before and she was dead late. She was like right on accurate about what my friend had done back in, in Puerto Rico. How did that witch who we'd never met know that information? Something evil in her. And so you know what we started to do? We started to pray in the spirit. And I wanted the witch to come to know Jesus, right? Because Jesus is for everyone. But the witch, she didn't want that. And so we kept going back and forth, and there was a wall of people behind me praying in the spirit against the presence of evil. You know what happened? She ran away, and the demons were screaming out from her. Excuse my language here, but they were screaming out, quit your damn praying, and, then ran, and she ran away. And everybody at the bus stop who was watching this go down started clapping because they'd never seen anyone stand up to the witch lady. And uh, the reason was because all the men believed that if she gave you the ojo, then you'd go impotent. Just so you know, after that, Jeannie and I had like two kids, okay? So we're good to go, right on? Thank the Lord. <laughs> but it's a weapon. Pray in the Spirit. See? So that's what we're going to do here today, is we're going to, you know, do some praying as we sing and as we worship. I love this quote from the great Westland Methodist minister, Samuel Chadwick. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. So would you guys stand up uh, together and we're going to sing here in just a minute, but I want to pray over you if you'd receive it. And so put your hands out in a position to receive and uh, we pray to you, Jesus, that you would rebuke the enemy before us right now. May the Lord rebuke you, demons that try and harm our people. You devourers, get off our people. You may not divide them from their parents or children. You may not cause division between them and their supervisors or employees. You may not depress them. You may not destroy their marriages. You demons may not harm their kids, addict them to drugs or alcohol. You may not cause bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. You may not addict them to lust. You may not cause eating disorders or cause them to cut themselves. 
You may not cause them to hate themselves. You may not cause suicidal ideation. You may not blind our people from the gospel. You get off our people in Jesus' name. We say, may the Lord rebuke you. We receive freedom in Jesus' name today. And so as we continue to sing and worship, would you come and kneel and pray? And let's do battle together. Let's form a wall in the spiritual realm. And let's together, whether we're kneeling here or online, do our battle in prayer and worship, shall we? So I invite you to come.
It's like in Jesus' name, we invoke the powerful name of Jesus for our kids, for our parents, for our workplaces, for our employers and employees, for um, the people that are living in our home, for all of our families, for our church. And as we're creating this wall of prayer in the spirit, some amazing things are happening. And the most amazing is when someone's given like the capacity to believe in Jesus and start love relationship with God through him. And if that describes you, for whatever reason, you're feeling drawn to come to a love relationship with God today, I want you to just talk to him in your own heart and mind and say something like this. Just say, God, I've never had a relationship with you. And I know I've sinned, but I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And he rose again from the dead to give me a new life. Welcome into my life, God, through Jesus. And for the rest of us that have known you, God, we're praying that we could lean in to this spiritual battle that rages all around us that we would be astute with our armor on, not unprotected, not outside the community of faith, but holding up the shield for our brothers and sisters near us, that they would be protected. And together we would be an unstoppable force of love 
and your grace in this world. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Will you guys go ahead and take a load off for a minute? Anybody grateful for God empowering us today through his word? Right on, that's good. He's been super good to us today. And as we wrap up today, if you want prayer from someone, I think a prayer leader will be down here or out by the tent outside if you'd like to seek prayer. Now, next Sunday, make sure and come on back. We're going to be looking at a service called The Training Ground for My Purpose. You know, one of the things that we try and do here is discover our purpose and walk in it. And we're going to show you some training ground for your purpose in this life next Sunday. So make sure and come on back for that. Now, one of the places that we do spiritual battle is regarding our resources and finances, right? What I'm praying for you guys this week is that God would bless your finances, that some of you would get like unexpected checks in the mail, that one of your bills would go down, uh, that gas prices might go down, you know, that uh, maybe something that, that you have to regularly pay for would be less expensive. And God's creative in the ways that he provides for us, doesn't he? Sometimes he'll provide food in unexpected ways and, uh, or a utility or whatever. And I'm praying that for you. And one of the ways that we steward our resources is when we're generous. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so there are four ways to get that done at this church where we, you know, we don't pass buckets or plates, but some people like to mail in their offerings, others text to tithe. Some go to the giving stations located near the exits. And the easiest way is probably just to get on your phone or any device and go to citytribe.church slash tithe, T-I-T. T-H-E. So before you guys uh, worship through your, your generosity, when you, when you give it, just pray and say, God, by your spirit, fully leverage this to help people, to serve people, to help people come to know you, Jesus, and be helped by you. Um, because prayer is important when we give our offerings too. We pray for it, that God would fully use it. So what do you say we stand up together and you're getting your workout at church today, right? You sit down, you stand back up. See, it's just a... Uh, just trying to keep you guys in shape there. And let's speak some words of benediction together. And what we're going to do is we're going to speak all the identity statements that we've learned in this awesome book of Ephesians as we wrap up the series today. So repeat this after me. Say, I'm chosen. You really were chosen by him. He, he picked you. Here's the next one. I'm a masterpiece. You really are a beautiful, well-crafted masterpiece by the father. Here's the next one. I've got the power. You're empowered by spirit. Here's the next one. We are one. We're in unity with the same mission and vision. I'm spirit filled. You're filled with all the fullness of God and his Holy Spirit. And here's the last one. I'm a warrior. You are spiritual warriors, so walk from this place, praying in the Spirit, wielding the sword of the Spirit with all your armor on to take his grace, love, mercy, and the gospel to people who desperately need it. You guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you next time. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.